Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, everyone. Welcome back to the Ilm Feed podcast. I'm your host, Shabir, and it's great to be back once again, alhamdulillah. And uh, we actually have uh, another interesting discussion. SubhanAllah, already one year has come back round. I remember this time last year, we were discussing the Islamic New Year, 1442. And here we are now, literally a few days away from Muharram, first of Muharram, the new Islamic year, 1443. So it's, uh, I think it's been another challenging year for a lot of us. Um, you know, we, we, again, many of us had plans this time last year, maybe because of the pandemic or whatever it may be, things, didn't go, things did not materialize. Um, but here we are again. And, you know, as Muslims, we are taught to always look forward, inshallah, remain optimistic, plan ahead. And that's pretty much what today's episode is going to be about time management, planning, goal setting, uh, even things like energy levels and sleep. We've got so much to speak about and we've got the perfect uh, person for that because we have someone who is a certified high performance coach, someone who is actually a teacher of mine, but we'll get to that uh, in a little while. Um, but it's a great, great pleasure to welcome to the podcast today, Ustad Tushar Imdad. Assalamu alaikum wa Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Pleasure to be here. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for joining us, Ustad. How are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, I'm just, just um, really um, grateful of this opportunity. Um, I, was, uh, I was trying to get back in touch with you. And it's just yeah. amazing, the timing. And uh, uh, I, I had actually forgotten that Muharram's coming up. I didn't realize. Uh, and, and when I saw who you had last year, and I thought, wow, it's just this Qadrullah. It's meant to be. Alhamdulillah. No, it's great to have you on, honestly. And um, yeah, I guess I guess we'll start with actually, because um, we, we go back quite a bit, actually. I mean, <laughs> I'm um, going to embarrass you, right? You know, just, uh... <laughs> so, so like as far as far as my calculations go, I mean, it's probably a good 14, 15 years, I reckon, like literally oh, like yeah. that's that's I, I reckon it goes back to my obviously secondary school days the very beginnings yeah. um all the way back in leicester so oh, do you man. want to tell the story or should i, tell the story? <laughs> well, I mean i, I could just re- i can remember your hair wasn't quite as slick i think you had some <laughs> glasses you the, the you know you always had a kind of wispy beard but i remember you at the front of the class i remember you're an arsenal fan and you yeah. were and you're bengali so those two kind of helped us connect um yeah. and and the third thing was that you, you, you i was the english teacher right so you yeah. had a passion for english and and i must say that when i found you 10 years later or 15 years later i i you know nobody was as surprised as i was and, and this is the, like any teacher's greatest uh, pleasure is when they see their student um you know take her interest uh, after you know graduating in in that subject and to be honest with you in the in the muslim space it's extremely rare for males right mm. to to go into english the art so when i saw like you know imam and you know the poet i was like I I think I fell off my chair, right? I, I was so uh, so honored, and 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 you, if you could remind me, you, I think you were inspired in some way in in, in some of those English lessons. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah, so so pretty much bang on um, uh, everything that you said there. I'm just quite surprised you remember I'm an Arsenal fan, actually. So that's, uh, that's quite cool. <laughs> that's rare as well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah. So so obviously I studied English with, with yourself. And that was, like we said, almost like 15 years ago. <laughs> and actually, so funnily enough, my initial plan was because of English and because I had such an interest in English. I remember, actually, I don't know if you remember, Ustad, um, going back to like, there was this competition and I wrote like a short story and I even submitted um, that story back then. So what what actually my initial plan was to study English, to do a degree in it, and mm. to like yourself become an English teacher. That was always right. my my plan. So I went to college um, after obviously I finished secondary and everything else, and I actually was studying English language, English literature. Um, mm. I was even doing journalism as well. Wow. Um, and yeah, I was doing that. And and to, if I'm completely honest with you, I think it was in my college days where I I sort of fell out of love with English mm. because. I'm more of a person that obviously likes to explore creative writing and, and, mm. and you know, I, I still had a love for that. But when I was studying English, I thought, I don't mm. think I can, I can actually teach it. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and then I, that's when I kind of did the U-turn and then I started studying, you know, did my Alimiya and, and all of mm. that. But I never, I, never, I never kind of moved away from, from English. 
Like it was no, always there, the, the creative writing, the poetry and things. So no, a, a huge credit to yourself, Ustad. Thank you for, well, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, alhamdulillah, to go back all those years. Um, so it's, I guess, I guess the first lesson we can learn here on this episode is, you know, teachers do make a big difference. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes those challenging days uh, worth it. Hundred percent, hundred So, so yeah, that's that's a bit about me. But we're going to come to yourself, Ustad, because um, obviously, for you, I, I think you know the way that I kind of did a bit of a U-turn and moved away. I think you kind of have had a bit of a journey yourself. So, I yeah. take it you're not exactly still in that educational field still teaching full-time what are you what are you, what are you up to these days yeah I mean I'll just I'll just uh, I was trying to tally my hours and wondering if I got to the 10,000 hour mark and if if you if you count teaching then maybe I have right so in the you know I've been teaching um tutoring or teaching since my uni days right which is mm. you know 20 years ago and um uh when you met me um uh, so this was right you know 2008 2009 so in that time I was full-time teaching I pivoted to teaching in Islamic schools and getting into management in, in, the, in those positions. Um, and, but I was always tutoring on the side. And um, this is a common theme you'll find with a lot of entrepreneurs is that um, they'll start off, they'll do a lot of work in the Muslim space. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, you know, income might not be very uh, feasible for you to kind of support a family, etc. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my tutoring business grew and grew. And I enjoyed that entrepreneurial side of that. I enjoyed the freedom mm. of having my own clients and having students who actually want to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, you were like you're one of, you know, maybe 5 percent, 10 percent who were like really solid learners. Um, but anyway, so I, I did got more into tutoring. And um, when I um, when I, le- I left, actually, you know, um, you'll probably remember it was around 2008, end of 2008. Um, yeah. I, I set up two businesses back then. One was, uh, I called it back then TML, Time Management Leicester. You know, I had no idea about marketing. I just thought Google, Time Management Leicester, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and then I did Shakespeare, Shakespeare tuition, right? So they, right. they were my two businesses. I ended up focusing more on the tuition side and the time management thing. I just kept up on the side. I'd, I'd, I'd you know, I'd been invited on interviews and on Productive Muslim. I, I taught mm. some classes for Sunni Path back then. You know, so I, I still, I still taught, did workshops, still had coaching inquiries, but it's not something I focused on. And that yeah. carried on right up until um, I went on a venture to Kuwait, uh, taught overseas. And um, when I came back, I decided to go full time into entrepreneurship. And um, uh, you know, I went to a mentor and I asked, I said, look, I could either go full into the kind of online teaching, book clubs, uh, you know, English academies and things like that, or I could um, pivot into time management. And uh, that teacher and, you know, and I, you know, I, I thank Allah for his inspiration uh, that he, he said that he felt because I had a passion for like getting kids off computer games, off, uh, mm. you know, into reading. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and then on the other side, I had my passion to help adults and help them, uh, you know, master their time and, and, and personal development. And he said, well, you know, he felt like getting kids off devices. And he said he, he felt that was a bit of a lost cause. And he said he thinks that I'd be able to help uh, more, uh, impact the ummah more through time management training. And so that was the initial inspiration. I, uh, I invested in my, in my own coaching first. And, and then I launched kind of Islamic time management, uh, principles of Islamic time management. And alhamdulillah, I've not looked back since. And it's gone so well, I actually had to uh, outsource and delegate to my, you know, to my wife and others, uh, my, my, my tutoring agency and uh, my English academy had to, I had to kind of pause and stop. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm more or less full time in, you know, coaching and training and teaching uh, uh, in Islamic time management. Wow, mashallah. That's 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 amazing to hear. So yeah, that, it's a very interesting journey. You're obviously in between. You've been traveling and doing your own qualifications and looking elsewhere and be- impacting the ummah in different ways. Which I think that it's quite amazing actually that um, you know something like time management. We don't really think of it as an area in and of itself. It's kind of like it's always at the back of our minds. Like yeah, you know, it's something that I, I think about. And I think you know usually when it comes around to every new year. That's mm-hmm. the only time when people think about it, right? It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. um, I need to figure out what I'm doing this year. I need to have mm-hmm. some goals. And then one or two months later, it's, it all disappears. Yeah. Um, so how? Let, let's start with that. I mean, mashallah, you've been doing it for a long time now. And if you were to just give a piece of advice to someone who's looking now at the Islamic New Year, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with us, you know, in tra- planning ahead yeah. and trying to uh, set some goals, resolutions, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, what would your top piece of advice be to someone now thinking to themselves, you know what, I need to sort myself out this year, what can I do? Sure, well I'll start with the rule of three, so I, mean, I like to kind of come prepared, so I've got like kind of, you know, like three three kind of main tips here, so, so it's easy to remember. Um, yeah. So the first one, and I'd like to give advice which is a bit unconventional, or something which is memorable, so your listeners can go away and, and really remember this. So 
One, uh, this first advice I'm going to give, this is something which sometimes you have to go on whole courses before, you know, they, they kind of build it up, build it up. And then, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the, this is what they say at the end. So I'm going to just tell it you straight because it's quite. And this is something which, like, um, if you really want to know how to plan and how to goal set, uh, sometimes looking at the business world, you'll get the right, uh, right ideas because mm. they test everything. And they only will implement that which really works. And okay, they do it for profits, but it's, it's efficient. So one of the interesting things is if you look at the Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 100 companies, um, they don't actually plan um, for a year. They will have a, ge- a general uh, annual goal, but what they're more focused on is quarterly goals. So my, my, my first advice is instead of going all the way to the end of the year, yes, you might have, have some intentions for the year, right? Have a kind of focus this year, what you're going to focus on. But what's more important than that, even if you didn't do that, is to be really dialed in into the quarter or even, even two months, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for example, in these last three months, between Ramadan and Eid al-Adha, that's actually a really good time to plan because you've got a holiday, Eid al-Fitr, and then you've got, you know, you've got, you know, Dhul Hijjah coming up and then, you know, you know, you're going to take a bit of time off. So it makes sense that you have, especially for work, you have an intense period of, of goals then, and then, you know, you've got like a little holiday. So if you can plan it in a way where you, you know, think about sprints, right? Rather than like a long slog, plan your kind of year in, 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 and look at your year because we all have different, you know, depending if you're a teacher, for example, and one of the nice things about teaching, which I've never been able to shake off, is the, the holiday season, right? So I've always, I'm used to having 13 weeks off. I always used to, you know, uh, you know, feel sorry for my colleagues who are just, you know, only four weeks. And so I've carried, I'm an entrepreneur now. Well, well you know, I've got freedom now, so I might as well <laughs> keep to 13 weeks, right? So if you've got like a schedule like that, you know, there's certain times of the year which are very busy. Look ahead and think, okay, I've got three months until, you know, this big uh, audit, right, or whatever. And so that makes sense that you have three months goals until then, right? Most of us, for example, uh, you know, August is summer holiday time. So your first quarter might be September to kind of end of November, right? And then, you know, December things wind down and stuff like that, right? So so quarterly or, you know, seasonal um, uh, goal setting is my first tip. And that is actually like, that is a huge thing. If you do that, what you'll find is that instead of having these goals, like the problem of setting these annual goals, which you never, ever achieve because it's just too far in the distance. And, you know, sometimes like COVID happens, right? And, and, and that's, that's the beauty of setting uh, kind of uh, these quarterly goals. It's not so far ahead that things can change in your life and you end up not doing it. So it's not unrealistic. But at the same time, it's not so short term that you're not thinking about the big picture. It's, it's just a really good, it's a really good period. So that's right. my first tip is, is, is quarterly uh, goal setting or seasonal, you know, or even, even even two months at a time, depending on, yes. on, on the year. My second... I guess, by the way, just 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 sorry to interject. I guess with with um, the way that the year is, and obviously as as we know, like Allah has blessed certain times over others. So when you actually mm. look at it like that, every two three months, there is actually always something that mm. that comes up. Yes. Um, you have like you know after Muharram, you've got it comes into Rabiul Awwal a few months yes. later, and yes. then you know you've got the Rajab and Shaaban and Ramadan. So it's quite interesting yeah. if you plan like that. You're actually always going to find those pockets or windows of opportunity yes. you could say yes. so yeah yes. that, that's quite an interesting one thank you so yep yeah, that's my that's my first tip the second tip is to look at um the different areas of your life to kind of uh review the areas of your life so i, I teach something called my uh, it's my bespoke vista time mastery system and in there we look at uh you know five major areas of your life right so we look at um your you, know, you look at your, you know your dean first so it's allah first time management so the quality of your dean we look at the quality of your health we look at the quality of your relationships, which include family. Um, we look at the quality of your work, right, so, uh, as a profession. Um, and then finally, and this is something which people often miss, finances, right? Because it's different. Someone could be a great professional and someone could actually be or a businessman and, and, and earn lots of money, but they might be really bad with their money. They might not have any assets. They might not have any savings. They might not, right? They, they might not have um, uh, investments, et cetera, right? So that's why uh, we have uh, finance as one of the areas. So you look at your big five areas of your life um, and you decide to kind of focus on one of uh, one or two of them. Right. So having that kind of focus on a different and, and, and because what pe- the stereotype is that um, and, and I've, I've trained in the non-Muslim space and they tend to be, especially in productivity, they are extremely focused on career money. Right. Um, and, and, you know, even the Christian coaches I've had. Right. And, and, and in fact, one of my programs I went on, I actually intended to use it for Dean. Right. 
I thought I'd be clever and use it for the dean. Mm. And I ended up just, you know, you know, halving my hours and doubling my income and, you know, all that. And, um, and I said to my coach, I said, look, I mean, this is great, but it wasn't quite what I intended, right? I, I, I was wanting to, you know, work on my tahajjud and, and all these other things. And um, he said to me, he says, look, you know, you have to have the right tool for the right purpose. And he says, mm. you know, you're, you're not going to create a cathedral if you've, you know, if you've just got, um, I can't remember the example again, you're not going to create a cathedral if you've got, you know, fine art equipment and the thing, you know, basically you have to have the right tools. And that's why, that's why one of the reasons I created kind of, became a leader in Islamic time management, what I call Islamic time mm. management, and, and became, and decided to create courses for Muslims so that it can be purpose-driven. Um, yeah. But having said that, you know, the, 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 the key is focus. Where attention goes, energy flows, as Tony Robbins says. And so our problem is we tend to always focus when it comes to being professional and productive um, with our work. And what I, what I do when I help with my clients, what I'm passionate about is applying. I did a post recently. I said, are you professional in your dean? Right. And I got right. a bit of kickback and people are like, what do you mean by being professional in the dean? I'm, I'm only professional, you know, I'm professional because I get paid a salary. And I'm like, well, no, it's not about just the money. When, you're, yeah. when you think professional, I, you know, think of ihsan, think of excellence. Right. And so if we apply those, that same level of professionalism to our dean, I think our outcomes and, and the way we pray our salah, the way we organize our time becomes very different. Um, mm. And so in our, in our goal setting, um, it, it, it might be a season in your life where you actually have to take a step back and think, well, you know what? Actually, my marriage needs work on, right? If I don't, and, and many people leave it till it's too late, right? They're, they're, they're distant. You know, I've had many clients say, we're just like lodgers in the home. That's not acceptable, Come on, right? You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, and, and when you look at studies when people, and, and studies have been done where, um, you know, a nurse did a book um, where she, they, she interviewed, you know, all the people, you know, she had hundreds of people who have, have passed away in her care. And she always yeah. asked them, you know, what was your greatest regret? it wasn't work it wasn't that i wish i could work more i wish i could earn more it was always about the quality of their relationships it's always mm-hmm. about i wish i spent more time with such and such my loved ones right so it's worth kind of thinking okay you know so for me personally right now i've got um you've not met him yet i've got a, a, a lovely spirited son called murad it's five years old Mashallah. and you know he's a son of, son of two teachers and so he's <laughs> you know people say, oh, mashallah, he's so clever he's like this mashallah i'm like yeah but there's a challenge with that right so mashallah you know you can imagine uh you know p- people who grow up to be leaders and things like that imagine what they're like with their kids right the yeah. things which you which might seem like uh, other oh, he's playing up he's a naughty he's being naughty actually they're the same qualities which will help him succeed later but mm-hmm. it is a challenge as a parent so i've had to kind of make that my main focus because i've realized that if i don't you know, upskill as a, as a, as a father, right? What, what, you know, the kind of stereotypical, like, Oh, listen, or I'll give you a top you know, that doesn't work <laughs> anymore. Right. And it doesn't work with, with, with spirited children. So yeah. I, I personally have my, my current quarterly goal is with parenting, right? It's not work. Right. And my work and my business, to be honest with you, has kind of suffered a bit in the last few months, but mm. that's okay because I've chosen that. Right. And so mm. it's, it's, it's being able to, and, and that can be one of the hardest decisions in time. People think time management is all about to-do lists. No, it's actually life, right? It's actually looking mm. at the big picture. And one of the things I really help my clients with is to kind of think, look, you know, let's get real. What's re- truly important for you right now? If you were to pass away next week, right, and you were to meet Allah Ta'ala, what would you, be, what would you regret if you hadn't got sorted? And that's what you need to focus on. So the second right. tip is looking at your different life areas and really getting real and, and making that, bit, that difficult decision of which area should I be focusing on? Because you can't, uh, here's the thing, you can't focus on all of them. It, it just yeah. means that you're going to make millimeter progress on all of them. But when you have that power of focus, then it means that you can make uh, you know, tremendous progress. So that's okay. the second tip. And my final tip, um, which is um, kind of similar, is to think about uh, a character goal. Right. So don't you know, we tend to do things which are all very you know, measurable and very to do with things that we have to do physically. But mm. one thing we tend to miss and tend to forget, and this is what I like to do in Rabbi Owl, for example, is 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 like having a character goal. Right. You look at our deen and mashallah, you look at the example of the Prophet, Salah you look at Sayyidina Muhammad, I mean, subhanAllah, it's like a, it's, a, it's a manual, it's an encyclopedia of character. And we know it's the heaviest deed which is going to be weighed on the scale. And yeah. yet we don't spend much time working on it. Right. And, and, and I'm, I'm saying this to myself, right? I'm, I'm the guiltiest of this. And, and, you know, we need to kind of, you know, to, to, so to have a character goal and to actually say that, okay, this year, right, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, we all have our traits, right? This is going to be the year I'm going to stop offending people. Or this is going to be the year I stop, uh, you know, I, I, I stop kind of people pleasing and actually say what's best for me and my family, right? So whatever it is, this is the year I'm going to be more generous. This is the year I'm going to quit complaining, right? And so having a character goal, I think, is very powerful. And I think it's something which people forget to do.
Mm, interesting. Okay, so these so these are areas that you know, like you said, um, it's 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 easy when you think about time management to just think about uh, you know the physical or just think about work or career. But what mm. you're what you're focusing on other areas, which obviously as Muslims are important, like character or family uh, and things like that. So I think that's that's actually really interesting. I think it's it's a really cool way of looking at it. And um, yeah, I think. You know, obviously, because our dean is, is so comprehensive and our professor, he was an example in every um, aspect of, of our lives. Um, the best family man, the best businessman, the best you know leader and so on. I think, yeah, I think as Muslims, I think we can take from that and uh, apply that in, in every single um, aspect of our lives. So that's quite interesting. I mean, with 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 goal setting, for, for example, so I know you've given us like a really um, a comprehensive like overview there. So if, if I was to now um, say, OK, fine, I'll, I'll have a look at those and, and set goals based on, on these uh, three areas. Um, how, how would you say what would you say is the best way to go about? It? So I know one thing you mentioned was looking at it quarterly. So mm. you've kind of split it there. Um, but for some people, when they when they set goals, mm. um, it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit wishy washy. I don't know if you yeah. if, if you know what I'm saying. Like, it's a bit mm. like, yeah, you know, um, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that and it's going to be like so how would you how what advice would you give to someone to kind of just measure themselves a bit more tone it down a bit more you know mm-hmm. and and make it a bit more achievable brilliant so there's, there's there's two two kind of ways to do this and 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 to give an analogy I'll give a gym analogy I'll give a kind of a strength training analogy but you know I'm, I'm into strength training so yeah. for example you have you have um uh, you have kind of two types of kind of muscle groups. You've got kind of fast twitch and, and slow twitch muscle groups. So you've got those, you know, the stereotypical, like when you're kind of, you know, going to the gym, lifting heavy weights, right? And, and being able to build muscle, right? And mm. that's important and that's useful. Um, but then, then sometimes, like when you have a baby, right? I remember when I had Murad and I'm like just carrying him, <laughs> right? I've got my big muscles, right? I've been, I'm deadlifting and I'm lifting Murad, taking him to the shop. And after a few minutes, my muscles are in agony. I'm like, what? Yeah. My wife's stronger than me? I don't get this, right? And so they're the, they're the slow twitch muscles, right? So you have muscles for endurance, which, mm. you know, so you can last for a long time. And they need a different type of training compared to those, which is like, like a short burst, right? Another yeah. good example is look at, you know, Olympics are going on. Uh, you look at the sprinters, big, muscly, strong, quick burst compared to the marathon runners who look, you know, very skinny, uh, but they're able to go on for a longer, right? Mo Farah, right? And, and so, you know, which one's best? Well, it depends on your purpose, but it's nice to be able to have both, right? It's nice to be able to have uh, physical strength, uh, but at the same time, a little bit of endurance, right? And we need, mm. and we need fitness, right? And so when it comes to goal setting um, and getting tasks done, you, one is the ability to get, um, you know, big, I mean, in the non-Muslim space, they call it BHAGs, right? Big, hairy-ass goals. <laughs> I don't really like that, but, you know, <laughs> right, but anyway, you know, you're those big goals, right? That we, we, you know, we, uh, uh, those goals which are challenging and, 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 you know, you want to kind of, uh, they'll make a tremendous difference in your life if you make them, right? And I think it's important to push yourself and to have those kind of goals which, which kind of push you to your limits, right? So you have those type of goals. And then on the other hand, you have uh, what we call habits, right? And so, you know, in my programs, in my course, I teach both, right? And sometimes, and that's quite unique as well. Sometimes you have to go to a different mentor for both. And so the way they work differently with the goals, you, you know, the important thing is to plan, look at, you know, have a vision for what you actually want, because often people can be very vague. Like what is it? Like if you just say, I want to lose weight, right? As we know, that's not specific enough. So getting specific, and we've all heard of SMART, right? And that acronym, you know, I know we learned it when we were at school, but listen, it's still it's still one of the best, right? So yeah. specific, measure, measurable, attainable, realistic, right? All that is true, okay? So if you can get specific, I would like to lose 10 kg within six months, right? So now you've got a goal. And then, you know, I help my clients construct something called the leverage ladder, which basically means that, you know, you then break it down to, okay, if I'm going to do that in six months, then that means in three months I need to do this, two months I need to do that. And you have apps like my, my fitness pal, which kind of do it for you. Um, and that, the secret is to do that with any goal you have. Right, to be able to break it down, especially the ones you're pushing for, if it's an income goal or, or, or a professional goal, right? Or a, or a, you know, it, so it's your number one goal. Um, see how you can break it down um, so that uh, it, ultimately you have a goal each week which you're pushing towards, right? Right. Um, and then if it comes, and then on the other hand, you have habits. Now, habits are actually easier to um, design, as I say. D- habits need to be designed. People don't realize this. But you have to design the habit 
Um, and and if you if you if you get good at habits, you can actually do several at, at once. Because I mean, obviously, if you think about it, we we have hundreds of habits which we, we're we're unconscious of, right? Mm. Um, and so it's becoming aware of your habits and deciding which habits you want to work on, design them, and then you can have them operating on uh, in 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 the background. Um, mm. And 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 the main the main mistake people make when they're designing habits is they make them too big. Um, and, right. and so, you know, the, the main tip I could give, you know, in a, in a short interview like this is, is make it smaller than you think, right? If you think that, okay, I'm going to make a habit of, um, you know, reading, um, uh, you know, five pages of Quran or, you know, a juz of Quran, and you think you can do that because of that you're a hafiz and you're used to that, well, make it a little bit smaller to, to, until you've established it, say, say three quarter juz. And, and, you know, so it should be something when you look at it, you think, yeah, yeah, I can, that's easy, right? If you mm-hmm. say to yourself, that's easy, that's going to be a habit that sticks. And then, yeah. inshallah, you can build on it later. Hmm. How would you say, like you mentioned, obviously, we, we all have, you know, inbuilt uh, habits that many of them are unconscious. What's what's one way of, I guess, trying to identify them? If if if, if it's unconscious and if you're if you've just been doing it and you've been programmed to do it for so long, <laughs> how do you make yourself a bit more aware of some of those habits? Yeah. Well, getting, getting married helps. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to know your bad habits, you know, uh, and this is one of the miracles, seriously, of the Prophet Islam is is that you know his wives praised him more than anyone, right? And if your wife is praising you publicly and praising your private life, then you know you're you're, you're a good man, yeah, right? Yeah. And and so yeah, no, seriously, having like if you want to know what your bad habits are, um, you know, <laughs> you know and, and this is a hard question. If you read marriage books, sometimes they say, you know, ask your your your, your spouse, your wife, or your husband, uh, if you if you're a sister watching, uh, you know, uh, beloved, you know. What's one thing you think I could work on? Or is there anything which I do? With, and trust me, they'll, we're normally too scared to ask, right? But if, we, if you want feedback, you want accountability, start with your spouse, right? So that will first, yeah. that'll bring awareness. So they, oh yeah, yeah, you do this. Or you do, and, and even with character, wherever it is. So that's one way is, is actually asking, um, you know, if you're a business person uh, or, you know, you, you run an organization like yourselves is asking your, your audience, right? You know, um, and, and so getting feedback is, is, is one step of getting that awareness. Secondly, when you're, um, whenever you have that focus, remember when I told you that, you know, where attention goes, energy flows. So, for example, if you're saying that, that like, like one of my coaches, Brendan Brashad, you know, he will, he, he often says, you know, make this year, make 2021 the year of your best health ever. You know, make that decision today, right? So if you, if you, if you're that type of person, you decided, say this year, you have decided, that's it. This year, I had a heart attack last year. I, I you know, I've, I've just contracted diabetes. My, my waistline is just the middle age spread has just gone crazy, whatever it is, right? And you've decided that this is your year of health. So non-Muslims will say that what happens is when you start becoming um, you know, like really set on your goals, the universe conspires to help you. I'm sure you heard that phrase, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and, and, and there's a kind of, there's a kind of truth, there's a sunnah of Allah in this, is that when you really get determined and focused on a particular goal, right? It's a bit like, you know, say for example, you're, you're looking, you want to buy a red car or something, right? And you're driving, suddenly you see red cars everywhere, don't you, right? Yeah, so and true. So that, that's the way the brain works, right? So the brain at, at, at one level is like a machine. You put a goal in it and you're truly focused on it. It will start looking for that everywhere, right? Mm. And so if your goal is health, right? And you're really working on it, you will start becoming aware of, of like, okay, well, if, if I want to get healthy, well, you know what? I'm just not eating enough vegetables or I'm, I'm yeah. snacking too much because, so can you see that will bring awareness. So when you, when you have, when you set goals, that will automatically bring awareness of the negatives. Right. Secondly, mm-hmm. is 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 kind of getting in a in a community um, and getting mentorship. I mean, I'm a big I'm a big uh, uh, advocate of getting mentorship, getting coaching. Yeah. I, I don't just coach. I, I I get coached myself. Right. Uh, you know, I've spent tens of thousands of pounds in the last few years in my own coaching. Right. Right mm-hmm. now, I'm working with a parenting coach. Before that, I was working with a, you know a, a high performance coach. I, I'm always getting coached myself. And so, when you get a coach, one of their skill sets is to see your blind spots. Right. So right. many people's lives I've changed and just, you know, I, I do this kind of 60 minute free, uh, free call with people who I think are qualified to work with me. And often in that one call, you know, that we get life changing, uh, discussion, right? Because I'll often call them out on things which nobody else will, right? Because, you know, your spouse doesn't want to because we don't like to nag with each other. In no. fact, I mean, if there's one person who can't be my client, it's my wife, right? Because <laughs> it just doesn't work, right? This is why driving yeah. instructors exist, right? And, and so, so, yeah, with family members, right, they're not going to really be good. Your friends tend to tell you what you need and they just support yeah. you and counsel you. So for someone to call you out and to kind of 
ask those kind of questions, this is what coaches do. So having that kind of level of accountability in the area of your life you want to improve. If it's Dean, for example, uh, you know, I, I, alhamdulillah, I've had, have had time to be a Talibul element to go out and study Arabic. And, and you know, I, I never, I'll never forget, like, you know, one of my, um, my teachers, Ustad Tabrez, he's, I think he's similar age to you, younger than me. I saw him as a younger brother, but he went out and studied for five, six, seven years. And, you know, he's now my teacher, right? And, 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 and um, uh, I remember when, uh, for example, I, 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 Tajweed is a good example. I'd, I'd hear, I heard that he became really good in Tajweed and he got all these ijazas. When I heard him, you know, if you've got untrained ear, I'm like, he doesn't sound so exciting. I mean, he doesn't sound better than Jason yeah, yeah. Shurim. So I actually kind of, and I'm the type of guy that, you know, if I have a theory, I won't just keep it in. I'll talk to the person and ask. So I asked him, I said, you know, Ustad, I'm, you know, no offense, but I mean, you sound quite, you know, normal. And he says, okay, do me, do, 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 just do your tattoos. And oh my God, he cut me apart. Within the next minutes, he's like, this is wrong and that's wrong and this yeah. is another. And I'm like, okay, okay. And that's, that's the power of mentorship that they, unless you've been through that process, you know, you, you don't even know what you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where you have like, um, and I think this is a, bit, a good model to finish on. You have the stages of competence. So you have, um, and I'll, I'll do the analogy with driving, right? So because it's really easy to, uh, to, to understand. You have unconscious incompetence, which is you don't even know that you don't know. So someone who doesn't under, so you can say someone who doesn't know that cars exist, but that's quite rare. But, but uh, I'll give my wife's example. She, she's now desperate to learn to drive, right? She's a mother and everything. But I remember like, you know, t- 10 years ago, 15 years ago, a lot of her friends would say, you need to drive, you need to drive. And she's like, no, no, I'm a sister. Uh, I don't have any kids. My, my, my husband takes me everywhere. I can get the bus. No problem, right? Yeah. So she was unconsciously uncompetent. She didn't even realize the importance of driving, right? Ten years on now, now she'll tell every sister she meets, every single sister, like, no, no, learn to drive now. Trust me, when you get kids, when you get busy, right, it's, yeah. it's so useful, right? When your husband's working somewhere and you need to go somewhere, right? Um, and so that's unconscious. You don't even realize that it's a problem. And that's why, um, you know, the first step in any type of self-improvement is acknowledging that I've got a problem, acknowledging that I've got this bad pattern, acknowledging, you know, uh, that I have these bad habits or acknowledging that I'm not where I want to be in life. So that's number one, yeah. unconscious competence. So conscious competence is the second level. You're now, um, you know, you started learning and you're crashing and you realize how, you know, how hard it is to keep the car going. So you you realize, but you're incompetent, right? You know that you can't drive. Yeah. Third level is conscious competence, right? So you now have passed your test, right? So you've, you've gone through, you've practiced and you're able to drive but you, you have to really think about it, right? You have to think yeah. of every, just like your driving test. You have to be really careful every turn, every single maneuver. Um, and that's the third level. And then unconscious, un- unconscious competence, which means mm. that you're so good, you don't even need to think about it. And in other words, it's yeah. become habitual success or excellence in that field has become habitual. So I hope that... Right. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. Especially, I think the point about mentorship um is is so important i don't i don't i don't think it's really emphasized enough and obviously in islam we have the tradition of having a teacher which Mm. essentially a teacher should tick those boxes of also being a spiritual guide and you know a mentor and that's that's always how we were taught you know the teacher inside the classroom yeah fair enough there's obviously (laughs) you know there's certain (laughs) rules in place but outside of that the teacher should always be the go-to person where you can go back to them and ask them questions and seek their guidance. And I remember one of my teachers actually gave an amazing uh, quote. He said that, look, even Musa, salam, he had Khidr mm. to go to. Yeah, and yeah. even our Prophet Muhammad salam, had yeah, Jibreel yeah. Salam, to go to. Yeah, and these yeah. are the best of people. They yeah. had someone to check them you yeah. know, and, and, and to rectify them. And, and everybody needs it. So yeah. I think that was something that really hit me hard. And I thought, you know what? Just like you're saying, you need coaching. You need mentors you need someone to point things out and I think my teachers definitely over the years um they have had no like you said you know they've, they've had no issues with you know pulling me up on certain things right you know <laughs> I, I I might share something on social media and they're like yeah. you know what no I, I don't think you should have shared that I, mm. I don't I disagree with you I don't I think you're 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 not at the stage where you can discuss this delete it mm, and right. you know no, no one else would have told me that my friends yeah. would have been like yeah it's okay you can get away with it right but yeah, my teacher's yeah. like no delete it I'm like, yeah. oh, so yeah. do you see, it's like, it was like a, it was like a shock to the system. And I was like, okay, yeah. I, I got to delete yeah. it now. And it's a small thing, but I think yeah. um, really we need people like that in our life. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes, you know, let, let's face it. I mean, alhamdulillah, I mean, this is one of the things like parents are there for that. Right. And, 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 but the thing is, one of the things we have to accept is like, you know, um, the modern world is really complex. One of the things I like to say is, is that common sense is uncommon. 
right? So, and, and, and honestly, and, and, and the greatest example, I think there's two, is in, in, in health and parenting, right? So, for example, let's look at food. We can all appreciate this. Our parents, especially our grandparents, they didn't need to be taught about how to find good food and get a balanced mm. diet and make sure it's organic chicken. And, the, you know, chicken would, you know, I still remember the chicken in, in Bangladesh. I remember them slaughtering. The, literally, I remember running after my uncle, running after the chicken, you know, slaughtering it. We're cooking it. We're eating that chicken later, right? And it's all from the locally sourced, right? And, and then fruit, you just literally pick it from the trees and eat that, right? Yeah. You, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't taught it themselves because it was just part of the ecosystem, right? Mm. And so now come to the 20th century, Come, you know, you're in England and you're, you know, so they don't teach us anything. So it's just like, oh, yeah, you just go to the local shop. Now you go to the local corner shop. Unfortunately, 90% of that stuff's poison, right? Wow. And, and so if you don't learn, if you don't go out there and study nutrition and health and about chemicals and food and things like that, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of, of, of disease, right? So that's yeah. a good example of where common sense, unfortunately, and it's not their fault, but our parents aren't equipped to teach us that. That's something which we have to learn ourselves. Um, yeah. And similarly, um, uh, parenting, right? So there's lots of things in parenting, which for generations was just common sense, like singing, you know, one book I really recommend is called Toxic Childhood, right? If you want to avoid your kids growing up as brats, you got to read that book. Because what happened is, is that in the past, for example, singing to your child before they sleep, it was just what everyone did. You'd hear your mum did it to you, then you do it to you. Now, mm. unfortunately, the modern world is almost like cut off from all tradition. And so yeah. things like that aren't common now. And so we have to be taught, oh, look, there's been a study which shows that if you sing to your child, that actually helps their brain patterns, blah, blah, you know. Mm. And, and there's so many things like that. Other things are like, you know, for example, having the pet, you know, when you have a child and a carrier, make sure they're not away from you, make sure they're facing, you know, because before we didn't even do that. So we never even thought about it. These are new problems we face. And because we've got new problems, we need new solutions. As Stephen Covey said, in, um, he wrote a book called Seven, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is very, very well-known and very yeah. popular. What's less known is he wrote an equally brilliant book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. And he was very effective in his family. Not only was he mm. one of the top business coaches in his generation, he was uh, a great family man. And his own son wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teenagers, another great book for oh, your kids. Wow. Right. And, and that shows like if your son writes a book like that, right? I mean, mashallah. Yeah. And so, you know, he had a big family. And um, one of the things he wrote in that book, which I always remember, he did this graph or this like chart and he showed like problems in the 60s. Like what were the biggest problems in, uh, you know, in terms of school and behavior and, and in, in society and then compared it to the 90s. So in the 60s, like the biggest problem, like in school, for example, just be you know, a student teacher, um, he, you know, the biggest problem was like, you know, teach, uh, kids, you know, talking out of turn or, you know, being yeah. a bit rude to the teacher, right? 90s, it's like assault, right? <laughs> you, know, guns and yeah. right? Yeah. you know, 60s, you know, biggest problem is, you know, and so it sh he showed you like how society, economics, law, culture, Everything was kind of family, supporting family structures in the 60s. Mm. But now in our times, everything is conspiring against family, right? The, 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 the way yeah. the world's set up is actually, you have to fight to keep a healthy family. And that's why new structures, right? If, if society has, has changed externally, then you have to create new structures in your life. And that's why people are like, sometimes people are like, why do I need to study time management? Why do I have to study all the, because the world is a bit more complex now. You've got mm -hmm. to create more sophisticated solutions. And if you don't, these new sophisticated problems, like, I mean, just one of them is, is just this, just this one device alone can destroy everything. Right. Yeah. If you don't have a, a handle on this, that can destroy your family structure, can destroy your dean structure, can destroy everything. And so you have mm. to have things in place so that you know where this fits in your life, um, so that you can maintain. But but our predecessors didn't have to worry about this. This is a, a True, one of my yeah. favorite jokes, uh, religious jokes, is like you know when when um, when the internet was created, Shaitan retired. <laughs> you know it's like job's done right it's all there yeah, yeah, yeah. so true yeah honestly so true no i think honestly i think there's some solid solid points there that that we covered um i wanted to ask you actually about um again coming back to what, a bit about what you do um because obviously one of one of the titles is like being a high performance uh, coach right and i know you've done a lot of like you said you're coaching yourself and a lot of qualifications yourself so as a muslim Okay, we we can talk about generally what what do what can I, we understand from high performance it, itself, and then I, also I want I want you to touch on as a Muslim what does that mean to us? Mm -hmm. So yeah, what, what have you found over the years? It's a great question. Um, so you know the, when I qualified uh, under Brendan Brashad, um, you know he has about a thousand elite coaches, and you know he's the highest performed, the highest uh, paid. Uh, 
high performance coach in the world. And then, you know, his, his clients include people like, you know, Oprah Winfrey and you know, big celebrities yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And um, so he only has, you know, a thousand coaches. And out of that, there's a handful who are practicing Muslims, right? They're like literally, you know, there's a few Muslims, not many practice, but there's a few, right? Alhamdulillah, I'm one of them. And um, they gave us a training, which we could, uh, uh, you know, deliver to the world, which was called, uh, the, 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 I think it's something like the, the six secrets to high performance, right? right. So I, I, I adapted that and called it, you know, yeah, sorry, it's the six secrets of the world's most uh, successful people, right? So I adapted that and then called it the seven secrets of the world's most uh, s- successful Muslims, right? And right. you can guess what the, 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 the seventh ingredient was, right? So because obviously they, they're not going to put Dean in that equation, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so in terms of high performance, um, some of the qualities which, 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 and, and, and Brendan's one of the reasons I, I, I studied with them as opposed to Tony Robbins or anyone else is that it's very research driven. It's the most research based, uh, high performance, uh, coaching program, uh, you know, in the world in the sense that it's based on his book called High Performance Habits. Uh, he yeah. literally partnered with a couple of universities and they went out there and, and literally interviewed tens of thousands of high performers, CEOs, uh, you know, millionaires, billionaires, presidents, right? And, and really kind of measured what are the common traits, right, which they have. And, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but, but the things like, you know, uh, having, you know, clarity, um, in, in purpose, right? Um, things like having, um, uh, yani, um, energy. Right. Again. And so, and, and, and one of the reasons, by the way, and, you know, just to answer your question straight away, um, one of the things I see in the Muslim community, and one of the reasons I'm so passionate in working with them is I see a lot of imbalance. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm in a, I'm in some masterminds where I, I actually regularly meet or work with or get trained by, uh, kind of, you know, millionaire, millionaire businessmen. Right. And one of the interesting things when I compare the millionaire Muslims to the millionaire non-Muslims, unfortunately, uh, this is a trend I've seen is that some of the, the millionaire non-Muslims, they not only are they rich and successful in their business, right? But the way they've done that, they've done it through systems so that they're only working, for example, they've got three, four businesses. And they're just working yeah. a few hours a week on each one, a few hours a week, sometimes a few hours a month on each one mm. and is generating that revenue. But they're also really healthy and fit and buff and going to the gym and eating well. They've got, you know, great marriages. They're really working on their relationships. They're happy families and happy kids, right? In other words, they've got a balance, right? All around. All around. Whereas what I'm seeing with the Muslims is that, yes, we do have millionaires amongst alhamdulillah. But unfortunately, it's quite often where you see that they're, they, they did it at the expense of their families or they did it at the expense of their deen. Mm. And, and so for me, the, the definition of a high-performing Muslim is someone who has excellence in deen and dunya. Right. And then obviously we, we, we use those categories just for the sake of labeling. Obviously, our dean is for dunya. Dean for dunya is, uh, uh, sorry, dunya for dean is dean, right? Is, 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 is akhirah based, yeah. right? As, as Imam al Ghazali mentioned, that, that then, you know, what, what is the dunya? It's everything between the sky and the, uh, and, and the earth, which is done for other than the sake of Allah, right? But, 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 uh, but just to, for the sake of labeling and, and to help clarify, um, yeah. in our discussion, we know that in terms of like kind of actually focusing on religion, focusing on deen in terms of, you know, learning the deen, knowing the fara'id, and implementing and practicing the deen. And then on the other side, you know, making sure you're, you're strong at work, right? Because I do believe in our times, um, Muslims need to be strong, especially li- those of us living in the West, right? And, and I'm guessing uh, most of your audience from Western countries or is it... Is it uh... Actually, we have a lot even across like Indonesia, Malaysia and, and, okay. and, and Far East. Yes. Mashallah. <laughs> so was, love love yeah. them all, love them all. But I mean, yeah. I'm guessing they're English speaking, right? So of I'm course, speaking to, yeah. you know, to educated professional Muslims, wherever you are, if you are fortunate enough to, you know, have a good job, if you're fortunate enough to live in a strong economy, if you're fortunate enough to, you know, uh, I, I truly believe because when you look at the Ummah, you look at, if you look at the percentages, I haven't checked recently, but I'm guessing like more than 50% is, is, you know, probably 70% of Muslims right now in our Ummah are in a state of poverty or in a state of weakness or a state of oppression right so when we see that right i i truly believe that our responsibility as muslims living in the west like you know when we see when we see what's happening in palestine when we see what's happening in kashmir when we see this like what we should feel like a pain right but in terms of the action we need to take from that pain is like right you know what I have to be the best version of myself in here. And actually, we're quite powerful. We actually have influence because we, you know, we, we, you know, we're through wealth, right? Through institutions, through organizations. So if we are utilizing our skills, if we are being high performing in our professions, right? Whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or an entrepreneur, whatever it is, if you are having excellence in that field, 
that is one of the best ways you can serve and have impact on the ummah. So that really is an important part of being a high-performing Muslim. So that's why I say both. But the problem is why, and, and this is a book I one day I called The Practicing Muslim. You know, I've always seen these two extremes. I've seen people who are like uh, the stereotypical, you know, got the big beard, they've got the topi, they've got the, the, the jubba and everything, right? And they, they look outwardly like very practicing. They're doing the ibadat and everything. But then you look at, the other areas of their life that you know doing benefit fraud they're just you know leech on the state and that you know or they've got terrible relationships or they're a monster at home right and then on the other side you've got the the muslim who's really successful really nice and really friendly doing loads of khidmah but he's not even praying his fard right so you know so the the, the high performing muslim does both and we yeah. can do both and it is possible to both and we should do both and 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 that's what i'm passionate about and and most of the people who come to me i'd say I'd say 70-80% of the people I work with, alhamdulillah, I think Muslims are doing, are doing a lot better professionally. And you look at LinkedIn and you look at, mashallah, the number of impressive profiles. Alhamdulillah, it's, it's really... And yeah, I yeah. think football is a good place to look at it. You know, you look at the, the Premier League and the rise <laughs> yeah. of Muslim players and, and, you know, lately with all these Muslim women athletes and things. So, alhamdulillah, Muslims are leveling up in the professional arena. But a lot of the people who come to me, they recognize that. And, you know, I, I literally get guys, I had one Amazon manager just, you know, message me on LinkedIn and said, Tushar, Alhamdulillah, I'm doing really well at work, but I feel like Allah is like number four, number five in my life. Can you help me systematically make him number one? I'm like, I love wow. working with people like that, right? Wow. And, and that's the thing. A lot of people are recognizing that they're very professional in their work, very professional in, in maybe even their health, but they've let the dean slide. And I found that, you know, people like me and you, we're, we're very fortunate that in our, in our late teens, well, maybe not late teens, in our 20s, and I feel this is a critical thing. If in your 20s, you spent a good amount of time, and, and I say the 20s because, you know what we learned in our teenagers, even if you went to madrasa, you know, let's be honest, right? The, 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 the quality of the curriculum, the education, the standards weren't, weren't brilliant then. It's getting better, right? Mm. So it's, and, and even if it was great, you learned it at a time as a child. Your motivations were different. It is yeah. very important as an adult, you choose to enroll and, and, and study. And, 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 and I'd say to do it live as well. It's very important. I mean, some of my, you know, one of the greatest things I give shukr for is that I would spend, you know, I'd travel from Preston to Manchester or Preston to Bury or something and, and have a teacher and I'd go to him and learn Tajweed or learn Fiqh, you know, that I had, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I don't do it enough, but at least I had a period of my life when I did that. And what mm. I found is that those people in their 20s, if they spent, I'd say, you know, generally five years, five to 10 years, or even, you know, you can do it intensively in a few years, but, it, you know, you've spent a good chunk of your 20s actually actively learning the deen, mm. learning the Islamic sciences, then alhamdulillah, then normally that sets you up for life. And it normally means yeah. you don't have the problems when you come to me in the 40s and you've got like, you know, you know 20 years of qada salah or, you know, you didn't even yeah. study your farad or your marriage. You're not even mm. married because you didn't realize you're divorced, right? So it, it avoids those kind of problems. Mm, yeah so 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 important i think um i think i agree with you about the 20s i think like you said you know when you learn things at a certain age uh when you're a lot younger um it, it it's there somewhere but it's mm. it's never the same as when you're actively motivated to go out of your way and learn and you know you, like you mentioned traveling and it's something that i think a lot of us did in the in the last maybe couple yeah. of decades but nowadays like you have everything online yeah but literally you can actually sign up to a course and you live teaching so it's like, do we even have an excuse anymore? Like, okay, we're not we're not saying that you negate the the teaching, uh, sorry, the the, the traveling. Yeah. I think we, everyone we should travel and still make an active effort. But the mm. fact that you have everything now online, yeah. um, especially yeah. in the last couple of years, you know, there's no excuse not to learn and not to not not to seek that knowledge and better ourselves. You, you, you know what that is? It's it's um I can't remember what they call it. I think it's um there's a scientific term. I forgot the term, but it's like they okay. give the example that when you go to a, a shop. Uh, and, and you have like all these choices, right? And yeah. sometimes when you have too much choice, it's like paralysis mm. by analysis to give the productivity term. And I think right. that's the problem with the, with the modern world is that we, you're right, because we have so many options, it, we end up doing nothing. And that's why this is one of the reasons, one of the things time management helps you do is to get that focus. Mm. And, and in the past, when things were maybe a bit simpler, and, you know, you just went to the mosque and then they would announce and there's a talk or, you know, you know, the, the structure was, you know, you would actually, you know, easily fall into that. Uh, and, 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 you know, mm. like, for example, the way decisions were made, you know, like in Leicester, Alhamdulillah, many people um, like the house prices are crazy near masjids. Right. And, and because people actually want to live near masjids, and alhamdulillah, it's a good thing if you think about it. It's actually mm. a great reflection on, on our ummah or, or the community in Leicester that mashallah. Uh, you know, like where I live right now, I'm in, in, in a place called Hamilton and um, I'm paying the same rent 
uh, as my house in Highfields. Now this house has got Yanni, it's got like a it's a gar- it's got a garden, it's got a garage, it's detached, it's got more bathrooms. It's it's like so much more valuable than the house in Highfields, yeah. which was like terrace. There's no no garden. It's small, but I, uh, it's the same rent. <laughs> it's, it's incredible because wow. the, the 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 competition to get in Highfields is because everyone wants to live near the mosque. Yeah, mosque yeah. So when you live near a mosque and you, if you if you choose to do that, and especially if it's an active mosque, then that will give you a structure where okay, yeah, you're, you're going to hear about talks, going to hear about classes, you'll end up doing it. But now, mm. where most of you maybe you're not living near a mosque, you're not you're not connected to locals. And and so everything is online, but then you've got like, you know, you've got a hundred emails in the inbox, all these different companies, you know, competing for your attention. You just end yeah. up doing nothing. And that's the exactly. danger is, is that's the danger. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Since we're coming <laughs> to the end, uh, Ustad, I mean, one, one, one point or one term you mentioned a bit earlier on was energy. Um, mm. And I think what, you know, this is something where a lot of now, <laughs> I think a lot of our viewers now are going to be listening to this part because I feel like this is one thing that's crippling a lot of people, you know, when yeah. they talk about productivity, talk yeah. about, you know, going out and, 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 and taking action. Yeah. One thing that cripples everyone or a lot of people is I don't have the energy to do it. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm working, you know, I'm, I'm struggling yeah. to even wake up for Fajr, let alone yeah. Tahajjud, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, waking up early in the morning. By the time I'm back from work, that's it. My, my day is done. So yes. I think sleep is a huge aspect. Obviously, we know that yeah. you know, Allah blessed us with sleep. It's literally mentioned in the Quran. Um, yes. So, yeah. and, and I remember, a few, I think it was a few months back or last year, I read one of your articles on LinkedIn about um, mm-hmm. about actually getting the best sleep of your life. And I, and I found it really <laughs> interesting uh, yeah. personally because it's something that I... I've actively been thinking about how to, you know, get the right amount of sleep. And you know, f- so, for example, for me personally, I, 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 I'll just tell you, because I know everyone's a bit different. Um, yeah, I know yeah. I've, I've read a lot of research on this, like, you know, this many hours is is the, the best amount of sleep. And, and someone else says, no, it's this many hours. And mm-hmm. you've got these millionaires that are like waking up at like 3, 4 a.m. And you've got yeah. others that are like waking up at like 7, 8. So, uh, you know, I, I read all of this and I thought to myself, you know what? I just feel like it's one of those things where we're all different. We all have mm. different bodies and so on. Yeah. Obviously, there's a balance in this. And I'm not saying that you sleep for 10, 12 hours yeah. and have a lion every single day. But at the mm. same time, you know, am I cut out for sleeping, you know, five, six hours and waking up at 3, 4 a.m.? Mm. Personally, mm. I'm not. I'm not that yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, but I'm a huge believer in I do need my seven, eight hours solid amount of sleep. And I, and yeah. I do believe that if I sleep at the right time consistently... Mm. I can wake up at the right time as well and yes. get enough hours in the day. So yeah, I wanted yeah. to, to bring you in on this and again, just yeah. share some tips for everyone on sleep. Definitely. It's, just such it's a great a topic. So it's a massive topic. It's, it's really important. And, yeah. you know, um, it's such an important topic because particularly in the, in, 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 if you're living in Western countries because of the time zones, right? So, in, in, you know, in the, in, in the UK, we have, ser- you know, actually very real challenges. Like, for example, yeah. summertime's just ended now, right? So many of us, for example, we had this option and, and many of my clients and people I work with, they choose to do this. And I myself, I'll be honest with you, I chose to do it because of my circle. My wife broke her foot uh, five weeks ago. Alhamdulillah, she's healing. Wow. And so that that's a lot of strain. It means like our kid's not asleep until like nine ten, right? Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're going to just 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 kind of unwind for one hour and go to sleep? It's not realistic, right? Our needs, we needed, you know, so it yeah. made sense for us to pray for So we had that option, right? And so, you know, in the UK, you have this option where, you know, you can stay up until one o'clock, one thirty, whatever it is, and yeah. then and then pray for and sleep, right? But then that's that's ended, by the way, right? So that's now ended literally August. And so now it's like, okay, now we need to kind of sleep earlier and get up. And so that is disruptive, right? So because of the nature of prayer times in the UK, each season is, can be a different challenge, right? Some parts of the year, Isha is like six o'clock, right? Seven o'clock. Other times, it's like 10 o'clock, right? So you, yeah. you have to adjust, right? So that is a genuine challenge. And there's no easy solution to that, right? Because, and I've even gone out on Facebook and LinkedIn and, and asked questions. I've had sleep experts. I've asked Olama, and I'll be honest with you, even scholars find, you know, find it difficult to answer this question. And when I've tried to answer, ask, ask it openly, they've, they've shied from giving a solution, right? Like, like I asked the question, if you're a professional and you need to get up to go to work eight o'clock, but at the same time, you want to pay tajid in the right time and you want to make fajr jamaat. And that's another problem yeah. because the masjid fajr jamaats are often very late and yeah. tajid, you know, so the, 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 these are challenges, right? And mm. so there's no one size fits all solution to that. That's a yeah. nuanced problem. So don't worry yeah. about that, but we're not talking about that because so to answer your question, but I, I asked this uh, um, recently, and um, uh, again, this is exclusive for your listeners because it's something which normally I don't tell to anyone apart from my clients. But I actually went to 
the author of um, the Miracle Morning, right? So the, this is called, ha- you know, Hal Elrod. He, he created the Miracle Morning method. Millions of people around the world have been inspired by his book, including some of the top gurus in the world. And he helped con- create this movement of getting, getting up early, right? And as Muslims, we, we aspire to that. We know that, you know, I mean, there's so many Islamic references. We created in Surah uh, Abbas, uh, sorry, Surah um, Naba, uh, uh, the, 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 we created the, the day for, for life, right? To, yeah. to be alive. And we know the Prophet ﷺ made dua, Allah bless my ummah in its early hours. So it is a sunnah, right? And we know that the interesting thing, if you read the commentary of the hadith, the narrator was a, 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 you know, a merchant. And he said that um, when he heard that hadith, he implemented it by making sure that he would open his stall you know, earlier uh, than everyone else. And then it mentions in the commentary that his his trade prospered, right? So this is something which is a time and uh, this is a tried and tested rule, right? And so in terms of waking up early, right? You know, they say that there's, yeah, you're night, night owls and you have early owls. But, you know, here, this is where, you know, whenever there's a kind of like a difference of opinion in science and things like that, uh, and then you have a sunnah, right? Uh, then we always go with the sunnah, right? Yeah. So the, the fact that the sunnah is to wake up earlier even if, like, I, I'll admit, like, I was raised, like, you know, Bengali professional family. You know, we had dinner, like, <laughs> crazy time. And, and yeah, you know, I was encouraged yeah. in my homework late. So, unfortunately, and many of us have this, we grew up with really bad habits, right? So, mm-hmm. we're used to staying up late. Does that mean it's the best thing? No, we've got to be honest and say, no, the sunnah is to wake up earlier. That's always superior. So, mm-hmm. and, and, and what non-Muslim, interesting, when I work for non-Muslim gurus, what they will do is that they will actually say that, yeah, you know, yeah, there are night owls. That's true. But to be honest with you, um, any night, any night owl who actually wants to be a morning person is possible, and it's happened time and time and time again. And so I say the same thing to my Muslim clients: if you truly want to be a morning person, you can do it, right? And 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 actually, the proof is in our biology. You know, you look at the the melatonin which is secreted. You look at the hormones which are secreted. We are actually programmed to. Uh, it sounds so common sense. This is, this is what I mean by common sense. Is uncommon. Uh, we are programmed. Guess what? Sleep in the night. And to be awake in the day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, but look, since, since electricity and since because of devices and things, we, we don't, impl- I mean, and the, uh, Brandon, uh, I love this quote by Brandon Brashad. He says, common sense is not always common practice, right? So even though we have that common sense, we don't practice it, right? So we're staying up late and we're sleeping in through all those beautiful early hours, right? So my first thing is that, no, trust the, trust the science, trust your biology and trust the sunnah it is better to, to wake up earlier. And the earlier you can get up, um, the better, right? And the more barakah you'll find in your time. And that's what, and I'm not judging anyone. I'm not saying that in you and your circumstance, you're a night shift worker. Yeah, everyone's got different circumstances. Yeah. But if all things are equal, that is definitely the ideal state. So if you have options, if you've got a way to design, redesign your life and shift your schedule so you can get up earlier, do it, right? That's the first step. Mm. Second tip about the hours of sleep. Now, this is important. And, um, and here's what I, I actually asked Hal Elrod about this. So, and this, and this, this, this is addressed a lot of the issues you've mentioned because the science, the biggest consensus seems to be, uh, and, and the, and the best book on this, I think I've got it here, right? Look, oh, wow. This, this is a proof that I practice. <laughs> so this is, you know, this is like the number one book in the world about sleep, right? Like why, why we sleep. We sleep? Okay. Matthew Walker. He is like literally like, like a sleep diplomat has been described as, right? So no one has done as much research as he has. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, he's got amazing, ch- uh, interviews on, on Dr. Chatterjee's podcast, uh, feel better, live more. And so what he's, he, he defines sleep deprivation as anything less than seven hours. Right. <laughs> less so than I, seven hours. Okay. Anything less than that, yeah. So that's technically defined as sleep deprivation. And then I, I put this uh, post up on Facebook recently. I said that you know, are you uh, Muslims? Are you sleep deprived? This is you know, are you sleeping less than seven hours? And and then and there's a little bit of comeback. And what, what you know, some said, but isn't the research controversial? Isn't there like difference of opinion? Now here here here's where I'll help you with that. So I'd say the majority consensus. You go on NHS website. You go onto your doctor. You go onto you know, you go to any. I've not met a single guru like who's teaching productivity who will not encourage you to sleep more. Right. Like right. one of the practices my coach said, you know, and, and, and you, know, you, you think about like Robert Federer, how, how, you know, how much does he sleep? Usain Bolt, these top athletes, they sleep like 10 hours a day, 10 hours a night, sometimes or even more. And that helps them perform. Right. So the mm-hmm. science that like, you know, this book will, if you're interested in the science, you're, you're a bit of a geek. This will go into detail, all the experiments, all the, and it's fascinating. Like, like, and sometimes knowledge is important. Sometimes to get motivation, you need why power before you get willpower. So if you want to yeah. increase your willpower, read a bit, study a bit, and, and, and increase your motivation. And so what, you know, um, in terms of, um, so the, the overall consensus tends to be seven, eight hours is optimum. 
Now, what about those people who get away with five hours and four hours, right? Now, here's the interesting thing. The, it's true. People can subjectively feel fine on five hours. I've had clients, right? And they tend to be people, you know, um, uh, especially from, um, um, I, I've had them from people who are living in the Middle East, maybe um, you know, from African regions, right? And, and, and they, they, you know, I've noticed this pattern that, yeah, they're able to, they say that they're fine, right? But once, now, the, 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 here's, there's two things, two problems with this. One is that when you subjectively, when someone subjectively might feel like they're fine, right? But yeah. once they're tested objectively, their performance goes down, right? right. So, and, and, and it's actually, it's actually proven that we are subjectively, we overestimate how good we feel after a point. It's almost like a culture, like, yeah, I got away with, I just need four hours sleep. I'm so tough, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and this is something we justify to ourselves, but we don't even know what it feels like. We're so sleep deprived, the body adapts. So the body adapts to our sleep deprivation. We don't even know, I, I, you know, a good analogy is someone who's got back pain, right? Lower back pain. I used to have lower back pain and I worked like crazy to fix it, right? And then I've met other people of lower back pain. This, you know, they're, they're, they're always in pain. And they basically kind of gave up. And so they got to a stage where they're like, yeah, it's always there, but I don't feel it anymore, right? right. Does that mean that's optimal? No, right? No. You know, they're, they're, they're just living with the pain. And, they forgo- and, they're, and they're, it's numbed. They're, the pain has numbed. And so people who are sleep deprived, they're, they're, the pain is numbed. And they don't even realize that the performance is, is, uh, is down. And so one of the tips is like, you know, just try it. Just try it for the next few weeks. Try to sleep one hour more and see how you feel. Right. If you want to mm. subjective realize. Right. So that's the one thing. The second thing is that these people who have slept, uh, you know, sleeping four hours a day or five hours a day, there's no evidence that it's actually safe for them in the long term. Right. So it's a big risk. So you might be fine now, but you might be ending up. This could be causing illness in the future because the effects mm. of sleep deprivation are very slow. They creep up on you, right? Yeah. And so then I asked Hal Elrod about it. Now, this is a great story to kind of end the end this discussion on, on, on sleep. I asked Hal Elrod because he was famous. He said exactly what you said. He actually had an affirmation sheet, which I used to keep by me, and I used to read every night, and he used to kind of pump you up and say that, you know, all these famous people, Margaret Thatcher, all these people, they lived, you know, so many successful people have lived on four hours, four hours, five hours of sleep. And then you kind of program your brain. You kind of tell your brain that, you know what, uh, uh, I'm going to get up uh, really fresh. or something. So he had this whole method. And it works, right? A lot of people did that. I myself experimented with it. And yeah, you end up getting up early and you feel great and it's fine. But guess what happened? Mm. Hal Elrod got cancer, right? It's amazing. The guy, the leader of this movement, the one who's telling everyone to sleep early and you don't need that many hours, he got cancer. And guess what he attributed it to? Lack of sleep. Really? yeah, and so he's changed his his tune now, uh, and and I warned him. That unfortunately, he's not changed his materials. I told him, I said, "Look, you're saying this now, but you better change your materials. If anyone who buys your stuff, they're yeah, not going to yeah. know." And so, hopefully, he'll listen to me. But anyway, I asked him, "So, what is the be- the, the right amount of sleep?" And, and and what he his answer, I think, is a nice, nuanced answer, and I think it gives you the. I don't think anyone can argue with this. He said, "Go to sleep." Like you know, imagine this is a normal day, and he says, "Go to sleep, and then wake up without an alarm clock," right? and measure how many hours you sleep and do that for a few days, obviously to, to, to kind of uh, uh, comp- to, to take into account uh, uh, changes in your schedule, uh, mm-hmm. you know, do that consistently. Th- that's how many hours you need to sleep for your body. Right. Right. You know, I mean, th- 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 there might be a problem if you've been sleep deprived for a long time, but that's a pretty <laughs> nice test, right. And to, yeah. to see that how much do you really currently need to kind of be, to be optimum. W- when do you wake up optimally? If you, you've got no kids in the house, you're just, you're just going to sleep. And then you just mm. wake up naturally. So that's a pretty good test. But I would, mm. I would caution your listeners is to err on the, on, on the, um, uh, err on the side of caution and aim for seven hours. And Imam, even Imam Ghazali Bidayatul Hidayah, when he talks about all the, you know, my local Shishak Zakir of Leicester, you know, he actually said to me, you know, Imam Ghazali actually mentions and recommends eight hours sleep, right? Mm. Even the great scholars, there's, there's nothing wrong if you make that intention that this is ibadat, that I'm doing this to give me the energy to to perform all my functions sleep is a yeah. is, is an act of worship mm-hmm. um so yeah that's that's definitely my advice aim for seven um and then if you really want to test it do that test and just see how long you sleep and and what uh, how many hours it takes before you naturally wake up uh, without an alarm clock and yeah. um then you're good to go mm, interesting it definitely makes me feel a lot better about myself with the with, with <laughs> me doing the seven eight hours <laughs> regularly <laughs> but but, but like you said, it's something that I had to test out and try. And, you know, yeah. um, it, it's, it's something that you, you learn, you learn a lot about yourself when, like, you, like we've been mentioning throughout today's episode is, you know, when you're consciously doing things and um, mm. trying new things, experimenting, you actually learn a lot about yourself. But obviously, a lot of us, we just, we sleep, however, right? Yeah. Uh, we go to yeah. sleep whenever, like you said, the phone and electricity, t- television, Netflix, you know, watching yes. things until late. Yes. 
you know, there's literally, I know people that literally fall asleep with the phone in their hand on, yeah, TikTok, on the couch, scrolling, yeah, literally just fall asleep like that. And can you yeah. imagine like, you know, one thing I always advise even just my own um, students is like, you know, the, the, the things that you are, um, you know, consuming, that's mm. obviously going to have an impact. So if you're trying mm. to wake up for Fajr, but the mm. last thing you were doing before you went to sleep was literally watching funny videos on TikTok. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. not exactly the right, you know, mindset to have yeah. to wake up for Fajr. And then you're going to be like, Absolutely. oh, but I couldn't wake up, you know? Yeah, that's because you slept at 1 a.m. Yeah. And Fajr yeah. was at 4. And yeah. you, there's no way you could in three hours get yourself up and, and motivated again. So I feel like a lot of it, like you said, uh, you know, I, I like the quote about the, 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 the you know, um, common sense being yeah. uncommon practice. So I feel yeah. like that is yeah. something so simple. Waking up for Fajr, yeah. you know, a lot of us are like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you slept on time every day and stuck yeah. to that, then most likely you probably would be able to uh, wake up, you know. For just just have to say so, something about that point about, you know, where you mentioned about sleeping uh, on TikTok. Uh, I, yeah. think, I, think, I think I just have to mention this is that we know that um, we will be raised on the day of judgment in the state that we die. And we know from Hadith that sleep is a type of death. So yeah. imagine, would you want to be resurrected every time we sleep? Why do we say, Allahumma bismika amutu wahya? Why do we say that? Right, mm. you know, we, we should be conscious that, Ya Allah, in your name, I live and I die. Right? Why are we mm. saying that? Because in case we die, right? We're, 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 at least we're ending on dhikr, right? So, so mm. ending, you know, when I, when I have something called a Mubarak evening routine, a Mubarak morning routine, but essential to both is the sunnah du'as, right? And so we want to be sleeping in a state of dhikr, even if it means just, you know, turning things off and, and doing a du'a and making a du'a. And, and, and look, if you want a gold tip, just ask Allah, make du'a, mm. Ya Allah, but do it from the heart, beg Him, Ya Allah, help me to wake up for fajr. Help me to wake mm-hmm. up, right? And, and 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 sleep on that state. But if imagine if you're you know sleep falling asleep watching something falls asleep and you sleep in that state and you wake up, you know you're resurrected. That, that's embarrassing, right? Mm-hmm. You do not want to be resurrected in that state. So the way you sleep, think about it. That's the way you're going to be presenting yourself to Allah. So we want to we want to go to sleep, like you know, like they say, you, you begin the day and end the day in the remembrance of Allah. Inshallah, Allah is generous. He will he will forgive what's in between, right? But we want to yeah. we want to make that beginning and ending. And I'm reminding myself. We want to start the day and end the day, you know, strong, inshallah, right? Yeah. And that, that's a hack. That, you know, I like to teach hacks all the time, right? So there's a, there's, a, there's a great hack there. You know, you've got 24 hours in the day. Just focus on, you know, the 15 minutes at the beginning. Can you invest 15 or even 10, even five minutes at the way you start the five minutes? Because people also start the day on their phone. I mean, mm. you know, if there's one thing, you know, if you get one thing from this, it's going to be my parting advice. If there's one thing you get from this, do not, please, end your day on the phone. Do not... End your day on the phone and <laughs> start your day on the phone. Please, honestly, even if it's Islamic, don't start like with that, right? Yeah. End your day naturally with dhikr, right? With dhikr and start the day uh, in dhikr, in shukr, right? I mean, look, alhamdulillah, ahyana. The very first thing you say when you wake up is alhamdulillah. Mm. And, and we know you go, you go to the productivity gurus, you go to the, you know, the, the big celebrity gurus who are teaching about morning routines. <laughs> they, they, they go, they, they, they spend yeah. episodes talking about gratitude. gratitude in, our yeah. in our dua, we're doing that, right? Again, yeah. it has to be done mindfully, done from the heart. But if we just follow these simple sunnas, right? Mm. Inshallah, the way we wake and the way we sleep, and, and we can build on that. You've got the greatest way to end, start and end the day. And those two things will help with your sleep, by the way, because you're starting yeah. the day with positivity, with gratitude, and you're ending the day mindfully. Those things are, are, are essential for the quality of your sleep as well. Mm, absolutely. No, I think that's, that's a really, really good point to, to end on. Um, Osad, thank you so much. It's, it's actually been such a pleasure. I've, I've learned a lot um, mm, from this and uh, you know, lots, of, lots of things that I can implement and all our listeners and viewers can, inshallah, implement as well. So thank you so much. Where can our Ilmfeed family find more of your work and your material, Asad? I'd love to see them. So, I mean, first of all, uh, follow me, Tushar Imdad. There's only one so far. I mean, the Bengali names are quite uh, <laughs> un- uncommon. So Tushar Imdad, look for me on LinkedIn and connect with me, message me. Uh, also on, 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 on Facebook. If you're someone who's actually interested in seriously working with me, just message me and I can arrange like a, a quick call to talk to you and find out more about your situation. Um, and uh, I'd like to announce that, inshallah, within a few weeks, I'm hoping to launch my first Facebook group called Islamic Time Management. And so I'm looking for uh, ambitious, uh, professional Muslims who are passionate about success in deen and dunya and managing the time. So if that describes you, 
please join my group. I'm going to be delivering loads of you know great content and and tips and tricks and something called Tushar's time hacks every week. So it's going to be something unique, inshallah, and really really beneficial. So I'd love to see everyone, including yourself, uh, Shabir, uh, on that group, inshallah. Um, inshallah, and there'll be a chance to interact with all of you, inshallah. Inshallah, amazing stuff. Thank you so much, Azakalakhir, once again for your time oh. and to our viewers and listeners. Thank you for your time and for joining us for another episode. Hope you enjoyed, benefited as always, inshallah. Be sure to check out Ustad Tushar's work and subscribe to our channel for more upcoming episodes, inshallah. From myself, Shabir, and from the rest of us, inshallah. We'll see you next time. Take care. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.